In a world full of opinions and anger, I think it's time we have a conversation. I'm your host, Emily, and here I'll talk about all things life, love, Jesus, marriage, and so much more. So whether you're listening or joining in, I think it's time we have that conversation. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) If you religiously listen to this podcast, which I think only really one of you does, um, sorry it's late. But life happens, and I'm recording this for you basically mere moments before I'll hit publish, and I guess you're welcome for still showing up to do it. Um, (laughs) I guess I don't really even know why, but... Here we are, recording it anyway, so happy Monday. Not a happy one for me, but hopefully a happy one for everybody else. Um, I just reread the name um, that I dubbed this podcast episode. It's very dramatic, so if you've stuck around long enough, you probably know I'm a bit melodramatic, so um, I guess I'll skip the apologies for that now and just tell you what I mean to tell you. Um, I wanted to talk about church hurt. Um, it's come up a lot recently, um, just how much the church tends to offend and, um, damage, not just the relationship that people have with a church body, but with the gospel and with God and with our Jesus. And, um, I don't know, it just feels like it should be addressed. Um, I feel like a lot of the time people assume that church hurt only happens with, and please don't get offended people, but I feel like most of the time it's the Catholic church, um, that tends to offend or burn or burn out somebody and then they walk away. Um, that's not my story or my understanding of it. Um, but something that I hear a lot and, Yeah, I just, I guess I'll bookend both sides of this episode, but um, I think something big to remember as I tell you kind of my experience with church hurt and everything is that it's not God and it's not Jesus and it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the gospel that's hurting you. Um, The gospel is this intimate love story and it's a tragedy it's so much deeper than any Shakespeare you could have ever read in high school um and God loves us too infinitely to want for us the hurt that we as humanity seem to offer as a church um I think that we forget how broken the side of heaven is um how like sin-swamped humanity can be um, and what a piss-poor job we do at being the hands and feet of Christ most often. Um, Even when we try our best, it's not always the most beautiful. I mean, we're human after all and we're not Jesus and we could never be, but um, we just do a bad job and we do it in the name of Jesus um, and assume that our judgments or our convictions or um, the boxes that we trap people in are right um, because someone's interpretation of the Bible said so or someone that you trusted who you view as someone who knows the Lord told you that that was right. And, you know, um, more and more every day I'm starting to figure out that that's just not always the case. Um, So... I'm going to try my best to not like out the church that I'm about to tell a story about or the people that the story entails. Um, Now the story is completely factual, of course, from my perspective only. And as we all know, every story has about 13 sides, but this is mine. Um, And I think that at the end of the day, your side of the story or whoever side of the story is the side that's hurt by the church is the one that matters because that's the one that we have to reconcile and we have to figure out how to live with and we have to figure out how to come home to. Um, and that's hard. Um, it's hard when the place that was maybe supposed to be safe for you or the people that were supposed to be safe and inclusive and loving and kind and compassionate and 
did I say understanding? <laughs> the place that's supposed to be all of those things isn't anymore. Um, that's a hard world um, to live in. Um, and it's the world that I found myself in. It's the world that I think way too many people find themselves in. And I was lucky enough to have um, have God pursue me hard enough in a way um, that I understood, which is always musically for me, um, that I didn't walk away. And honestly, I say that, but where would I go? Um, <laughs> I don't... I don't have anywhere else to be except with Jesus because I'm a really bad uh, driver of my own life. But, um, yeah, just take it with whatever grain of salt you want. But I'll quit dilly-dallying and just let you know um, why this came up. Um, Kind of the fact that I'm not speaking on something that I haven't experienced myself. Um... And then draw whatever conclusions you want from that, as you always can, because at least for five more minutes, this is America. Um, So, yeah, I mentioned, um, I feel like in my last episode, um, and also caveat, because of course there can't be 15 of those, um, I don't mean this to be like super negative um, or hateful or anything like that. I'm just going to be honest, um, which I think is (laughs) the only way that I can be. Um, so again, just know that my heart behind it isn't me trying to be hateful or like pass judgment or like hold on to resentment or anything like that. It's just what happened, um, at least from where I'm standing and yeah, I'll try not to make this an hour episode, but you know, we're already quite a few minutes deep, so I won't pretend like I'm not long-winded, um, So anyway, if you remember in my testimony and some other episodes, um, some hard things have happened to me. Um, and one of those hard things was a boy, but this boy brought me to a church, um, that ended up being the place that I got baptized, um, and going on a bunch of mission trips and like truly starting to fall in love with the gospel in a new way. Um, so that year that I, um, got baptized 2015 um, and went on all those trips, um, I really started feeling a calling on my life to end up in ministry. Um, Or I guess not end up, that's not fair, but to be in ministry for a time. Um, So the second trip that I went on was a trip to Jamaica. um, And I went with one of the lead pastors. um, he went on the trip and somehow the conversation ended up coming up that there was a position in middle school ministry open at that church. Um, and that he was an, he was interested in me taking it. Um, now at the time I was in my second year of college, which, um, if you know me, I only did two and a half years of college. Um, I mean, I have my bachelor's, but it took me not very long to do that. Um, and, I would have had to leave school kind of early to take the position. And um, at the time, one of my very dear mentors and friends was overseeing student ministry. Um, And so I'd be working under him. And he, you know, was kind of like a father figure for me. And so he didn't want me to leave school um, to do that, um, even though he did want me in that position. And I waited a little bit and I you know, pondered and whatever, and then more or less made the executive decision to drive back and forth from K-State to this church back in Kansas City, um, like twice a week to be the middle school pastor. Um, And I was elated, Um, nervous, of course, because I was 20. And what 20-year-old knows anything about anything, right? But I loved students, Um, and I loved the gospel and I was freshly new to the gospel, which means that, you know, if you remember the time that you fell in love with Jesus, you know, there's nothing quite like that honeymoon period where just like every song on the radio is meant for you. Um, and every sermon was written for you and every scripture matters and just all of those like wonderful, wonderful things. And that's where I was. So, um, anyway, I took the job and selfishly had wished that the job had been offered to me um, with the high school students. Um, I thought at the time that that's who I wanted to work with, which now looking back on it just like makes me giggle. Um, 
but I really, really had wanted high school. And so I went into the job, like, I don't know, hoping that I would get to move into that ministry position instead. Um, but I was with middle schoolers. I got placed with a group of uh, seventh grade girls. There were about 24 of them. All of their other group leaders had kind of left them. Um, they were a hot mess of girls and um, they'd been through a lot. They'd seen a lot of life in a short period of time. They were just dealing with a lot of things and nobody else wanted to take it on. And so with my degree, with my new position, with all of these things, um, I stepped into that group. Um, and the way that I led those girls was the way that I'm talking to you now. Um, it was nothing less than raw and authentic and just real to who I was. And um, I had girls in that group tell me they didn't own a Bible. They weren't bringing a Bible. They came to church because they didn't want to be at home. And I said, that's fine. But, you know, if you're going to be here, I'm going to tell you about the love that I have for my Jesus. And if that's not like a cup of tea you want to drink, that's totally fine. But I expect you to more or less sit there and let me drink mine. Like, sort of thing. Um, I mean, it was an open space. We talked and we questioned the gospel and we questioned God's intentions and we questioned each other and we questioned um, the morals and the ethics of humanity. And and we cried and we yelled and we fought and we mediated arguments. And I mean, it was messy. These girls um, pushed me and they changed me and they, <laughs> they fought me and they gosh, like, I don't know that I've ever just been so out of my mind, like stressed out for other people and absolutely madly, unrealistically in love with just the chaos of it all and the people behind it because I I loved those girls. I love those girls. I haven't talked to them in quite a while, most of them, um, except a few, which you know who you are and thanks for sticking around with crazy old me but man I love those girls I was absolutely in love with them I loved everything about being a part of their life and being their safe place um to to speak and to be and to exist and when they would come to my group crying and when they would come to my group angry and when nobody else wanted them I did um because I knew what it felt like to not be wanted um and to feel like I was too messy to belong somewhere and I wanted them to know that they had a home here with me um and they did I meant that um and so that's kind of what we created was this group it was just it's like a safe haven it was like the rest of the world and the rules didn't apply the same way because if they weren't friends outside of that group um you know if they didn't get along if they didn't trust if they didn't like each other we came to group and and you had to figure out how to put that aside and love each other because we needed it um and so as my time um, on staff kind of went along, this group like grew and grew and took over my life. And I advocated for these girls and I pushed for them um, in the higher ups of our church. And, you know, I went, um, I went to all of our staff meetings and our conferences. And I remember thinking, you know, the inner workings of a church makes it so much less glamorous um, when... <laughs> when people aren't preaching on the subjects that feel relevant to who they're speaking to or to what God's telling them, but off a curriculum um, that they're getting from, you know, a national conference, which I didn't think was that impressive. And um, when other people on staff are personalities that, not that I didn't like, I mean, I didn't, but that just weren't trustworthy um, or weren't kind. And I started like getting an unease about I don't know, just kind of the inner workings and the heart behind a lot of the things that the church that I went to that I was working for was doing. Um, and I started speaking, I got to preach, um, to my middle schoolers, um, never like in big service or anything, but, um, if I haven't filled you in before, I used to do, um, student ministry, um, like vocals. I did lead worship and then lead worship and main service and everything for a long time because I used to sing. I think I'm probably like tone deaf now, which is kind of a travesty, but, um, I mean, I used to sing and I loved that. And so I was doing that and then I got to preach, which was cool. Um, because I'd sit around and I'd get really nervous. Um, I don't mind public speaking. I don't like the preparation for it. And so I would just wait until God let me know what he wanted me to speak on. And he would. And then I'd 
kind of the same way that I record all these podcasts, sit down, like word vomit all of it out and then like check mark that box and like wait until Sunday to give the message. Then I'd end up just talking like I was never somebody that could read off my notes. I'd kind of like glance at them and then I'd just walk around and I'd talk and I'd, I don't know, it's always cool when the Holy Spirit just like kind of word vomits out of your mouth and then you get done and you're like, man, like I have no idea what I said because God did that thing. And like half of you is like, man, if only I could remember, like that was pretty good. Maybe I should write that down. But you don't, you just move on because, you know, God said what you need to say to whoever you needed to say it to. And like, you just were there. But um, I got to preach and I started preaching on spiritual giftings and um, the ploy of the enemy and the way that Satan tries to infiltrate our lives in such discreet and dishonest ways. And um, the fact that loving your neighbor is really hard, um, especially when trying to put that into practice and that... um, you know, it's just, it's just so much harder to love Jesus than we think that it is. And we think that there are all of these rules. Um, and some of them apply, but some of them don't. And a lot of people take the gospel as an opportunity to judge others or, um, whatever. And I wanted to preach messages to these kids that as they walked into high school and they walked into relationships and friendships and out of relationships and out of friendships and out of understanding of what their parents were trying to do and all of this stuff. I mean, middle school is like, horrifying god I I mean I hated high school kind of but like middle school is just hard and I just wanted them to understand that like God loves you yes but like the Bible is not just the pretty things um it's hardship and it's loss and it's trial and it's just it's supposed to be reminding you that God is there for you and God is good regardless of how bad everything else gets Um, but every time I preached one of these messages on spiritual gifting or, um, like spiritual battlegrounds, um, which I mean, again, if you ever pay attention to me, like my biggest thing is that you're never on a battle line alone. Like whether or not you think that you're standing alone on the human side of things, like God is always there. But like, really, if you ask me, so am I, like I will stand on any battle line, um, for you, for the gospel, for whatever that looks like. Um, and so anyway, I just, I used to like preach all these things. And I mean, we like sometimes would practice our like, um, speaking like on our team and stuff. I certainly got asked to start practicing after a few of my endeavors preaching because it turns out that the church that I was going to really loved to do messages on the pretty things and didn't really like doing messages on anything else. Um, I got a lot of pushback um, for the messages that I was (laughs) giving, um, especially when I wanted to talk about um, the impact of sexual sin and relationships and um trauma and what trauma and um sin like the relationship that they have and trust me I'm no expert I actually think that I was probably more clear on that relationship then than I am now um and I wanted to give messages on the fact that hey like if you have been raped I mean like hi been there done that like you aren't any less redeemable to God. Like if you have been hurt, if you have been pressured, if you have been um, traumatized by anything, not even just like in the sexual realm of things, but like with anything, if you've been abused, if you're struggling with suicide and depression, like our church like led you to believe that if you committed suicide, like you automatically were going to hell. Like it didn't matter what you were going through. It just mattered that you took your own life. And they were like, well, that way we're, you know, scaring people out of doing it. And I was like, no, you're not. All you're doing is traumatizing these kids, making them think that if they couldn't handle this side of heaven, like suicide is never the answer. But like you're making these kids think that they're already alone and isolated but then that even the place that they're supposed to be accepted and loved like literally isn't going to forgive them if they just don't make what we as an outside spectator think is the right choice like how horrible and so anyway I got a lot of backlash for all of these messages whatever but as I was sorting out that the church didn't want to preach anything except the happy narrative I like kept pushing I was like this isn't right like we don't get to pick and choose the parts of the gospel that we omit like we don't get to pick and choose and they were like well every message you know has its right audience and I was like right like I'm not gonna like 
you know, give a message on something explicit, like in middle school, like I'm going to like, I'll, I'll dial it back or like, I'll change the way that I share it. But like middle schoolers, I mean, they're kids, but like they're living adult experiences now. Um, which means that like, we have to meet them in a place that like allows them room to like, not express it, but question it. And like, understand it and how to navigate that like the church should be the place that they can ask questions and answer and get answers and trust those answers but instead by us not diving into the hard stuff they have to go seek the answers elsewhere and like that's just creating an opportunity for all the bad things so anyway I'm getting a lot of pushback I'm pushing back a lot because I kind of don't sit down even when someone tells me to and whatever (laughs) so um you know, I kind of get like circulated less to preach and I'm like, okay, whatever. I still have my group of girls. Um, fine. And then we go to church camp. Um, so like a week before camp, um, my boss mentor friend, basic father figure, whatever, who's in charge of me is like, Hey, I'm going on vacation with my family. Um, we have church camp next week and like this, this, and this need to be done. And they're already two weeks late. Um, and he didn't really tell me how to accomplish any of them, um, or why they hadn't been done yet, but like I was in charge of room assignments and like reservations and just payments and all this stuff. So I figured out, I sorted out, um, and we get to camp and he's supposed to be in charge, but he kind of takes a back seat. Like room arrangements kind of get messed up. Like stuff is a little weird. It's a little chaotic and he just kind of like sits down, um, the whole week and he, eats by himself and he stays to himself and like all of us fend for ourselves whatever um and you know I end up in a conversation with some of my other co-workers about the fact that this is what he always does when we go to camp and all this stuff and I'm just trying to understand and I'm frustrated um and I feel like I've been put in an impossible situation but like I love my girls I love my job so like who cares and it was honestly an incredible week because like the worship was out of this world. Like there were all these flags for all the nations outside at this school that we were at, um, in Nebraska. And so my group of girls every morning, we would go, um, circle up and we'd pray for the nations. And like, we had conversations about modesty and we had conversations about friendship and we had conversations about respecting our parents and about rules and just all these things. Like we had so many conversations. I remember, um, like one girl asking me like okay I don't need to dress modestly like because like I am confident in my body like I'm proud of it and I was like awesome well if you're that confident like you don't have to like show all of it to the world at the ripe old age of like 13 because you should feel secure enough that like you know that it looks good even in like a t-shirt or like in a dress that doesn't you know really leave nothing to be questioned like you should be able to feel good enough and like being able to like just say that and have that chat like I don't know like it just was if you've ever been to church camp like it's just like a kind of like a paradox like it just doesn't exist in normal space so you have conversations and you say things that like you probably wouldn't say otherwise and it's just awesome I don't know everything about it's great and so you know I have the conversation with my like staff mates like hey this is frustrating they were like yeah absolutely um but like for the most part it was really great um until it wasn't um like I was walking my girls to you know camp um like whatever main group or whatever one day and um said um adult staff member you know my boss mentor guy whatever is talking to my girls and um they ask him something about the rapture and he says you know well I'm not worried about it that's not really gonna happen and I was like whoa 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 like you don't believe that the rapture is gonna happen like you don't think that that's going to exist or like whatever I was like that's like a huge piece of the bible and he was like I don't think that we have to talk about this and I was like uh I absolutely think that we have to talk about this that's a really big deal and you can't go telling my kids that the pastor that they you know look up to um every single week you know doesn't believe this big piece of the bible like what is that telling them that they just get to omit anything that like freaks them out or whatever and so you know he's pissed 
And I'm like, okay, I mean, we don't have to talk about this here, but, like, you can't talk to my girls about that, and, like, we're tabling this for another time. Like, this needs to be a conversation because I just, like, can't get behind that. Um, And so, you know, we go on, and I'm, like, kind of sketched out, but whatever, and we get back from camp, and I, like, I don't drop it, really, but, you know, I have other things going on. We have, like, a bunch of end-of-summer, like, activities that we used to do at the church, and this year I really felt called to do a lock-in. Um, we had done lock-ins all the time at my, like, Methodist church growing up. Like, every summer we did a lock-in, and it was a co-ed lock-in, um, and it was always, like, the coolest. Um, I loved it. It was a great time with all of our friends um, at church. Like, it just was, like, a it just was like a really happy memory for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, we should do a lock-in. And my superior mentor guy was like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. And I was like, okay, I mean, we don't have to do a co-ed lock-in, like whatever. Like if volunteers don't want to do that, like if I can't get male volunteers to like watch the guy students, like whatever, like I'll just do a girl's lock-in. And he was like, no. And I was like, I'm not asking you to like orchestrate it or be a part of it. Like I'm just like, I just want to do it. And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, well, I really feel called to do this. So like, I'm going to do the thing. Um, I was like, I don't need anything from you. I just am going to like do this. Um, and if I can just have the space to do it, like, that's it. That's all I need. And he like pushed back and he pushed back, but somehow, I guess probably cause I'm just hard headed. Like I got the go ahead to do it, but he was like, I don't like, I have this, this, and this, like, rules in place, like, you can't do this, and I'm gonna stay until this time, and you have to offer this, and, like, this has to be explicitly communicated, and I was like, fine, whatever, like, whatever hoops you want me to jump through, that's totally fine, it's like, I don't remember it being this complicated at my other church, but, like, okay, so I put on this lock-in, and I end up having, like, I don't know, 60, 70 girls, maybe, um, like, I had a million, like, there were, there were a lot. Um, and I have all these adult volunteers and it's like the most incredible night. I mean, we were up all night. Like these girls like put on like all my girls that were in like the worship, um, team and everything. They freaking put on worship for hours. And like, I had girls praying over each other and they were crying and they were singing and they were dancing and they were laughing. And it was like the most amazing thing I think I've ever seen. Um, like I still have, a picture um from the fact that like the message that we had been doing um was like between sin and salvation um and I remember like at one point there were so many girls that went up on stage to like pray over each other that the like we had had like big signs like one of them said sin and one said salvation um and there were enough girls on the stage that like the sign that said sin was completely covered And all you could see was, like, this big sign that said salvation, like, above the heads of all of these middle school girls, like, praying over each other. Like, it's just, I'll have to find that photo somewhere. Not that you can see it because this is a podcast, but, like, what an incredible time. So, anyway, we're up all night. This is happening. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the Lord is so cool. Look at what he does um, when you're obedient. Like, wow. Um, And, like, the next morning... um, you know, my boss comes in and is, like, just mean and hateful and, like, all of these things and, um, like, all kinds of upset in ways that I still don't even really understand. Um, and I'm, like, on cloud nine, really, because I've got, like, you know, 15 girls that want to get baptized and, like, I've prayed over girls and I've prayed with girls and, like, all of the stuff. Like, it's just such a great time. Um, but with all of the distrust and with all of the like struggle that I'd had with the lock-in, I also had known and prepared um, for the fact that I couldn't be on staff anymore. Um, seeing the inner workings of the church, having that conversation about the rapture, like the pushback with the lock-in, the pushback with the messages, um, just the way that they were conveying the gospel wasn't something that I could agree with. Um, and I didn't really trust the other people that I was on staff with um, And so it just, it was a time where I was like, this is so cool. And I think that I can keep doing this as a leader, but I can't do this on staff. And so anyway, I tendered my resignation um, and he like called me into his office and was like, Emily, I think that, you know, 
you know, I know that you gave your like two weeks notice. And I was like, no, it wasn't a two weeks notice. Like it was effective immediately. And he was like, I think that, you know, it would just probably be best to make it effective immediately. And I was like, right, like, that's what it says. Um, you know, but I want to stay on as a group leader. And he was like, I mean, I, I guess if you want to, and I was like, of course, like, I don't want to leave my girls. I just, you know, can't be in college and be on staff. And yes, that's a white lie. But, um, you know, I was just like, I think that this is the best place for me is to be a leader, but not be on staff. And he like, kind of, he was like, okay, fine. Um, but he didn't seem happy about it. And I guess I didn't realize how unhappy he was about it, but I stayed on with my girls. We went to another camp. Um, it was another amazing time like that fall. Um, I remember like sitting my girls down and being like, hey, all this stupid stuff that you guys are doing, like Jesus died for you to do that. Like, so every time that you do something stupid, like I just want you to remember that. Like that, like that's how it was if you went to camp with me. Um, I mean, like I loved them so hard, but I also was just like, man, this is dumb. Like y'all are acting stupid. Um, and I just remember like getting so much pushback on like my girls and the way that they acted. Like if they if they were really hit by a message, like we would go out in the hallway and we would process. And I remember getting so much pushback, like you can't let them do that. Like you can't just let them leave like in the middle of a like session. And I was like, well, I'm not letting them leave. Like we're going and processing. Like if something hits them really hard, like I want them to know that like they can talk to me and I don't need them to like be crying in front of everybody. Like crying is already such a personal thing. Like I don't want them to feel exposed in a way that they're not ready for or whatever, but it didn't matter. I was getting a lot of pushback and so you know this camp comes and goes and then um the, our church that we had been to took like an obscene amount of breaks and so like at winter time like there was like a month break and I remember my girls asking me like hey like can we um keep meeting like even if it's not a church like can we just meet at a coffee shop or something because um like we want to make sure that we still leave the time for church on our calendars even when we don't have it. So that way we don't get out of practice um, and everything. And like, they just wanted the community. Like they just wanted to be together. And I was like, absolutely. So like as an unaffiliated, like non-church event, like we are just going to get together. So literally the first week that we get together, um, I make sure that there's an appropriate number of adults. I make sure all of the like parents are aware and stuff that we're getting together. They all come to my apartment. Um, and we sit down and we're having group and two of the girls were like in a fight and one of them was like being real petty about it and her mom shows up at my doorstep and starts like verbally assaulting one of my girls um which I'm like you have to leave you can't say that stuff that's not okay and like I ask her and her daughter to leave and I'm like this isn't fine um and you know we process it like the group processes it and I talk to the girl and then when you know her dad shows up um to pick her up I like go out to the car and I'm like hey I just wanted to let you know what happened like this kind of altercation happened and I'm so sorry I had no idea that this was going on um but I want you to know like your daughter's safe with me like I'm handling the situation like I'll take care of it whatever and they were good everything was good and then I get a call from not like my mentor guy but like the um like director of ministry that had hired me in the first place um back in the day and he was like he was like oh my gosh like they're filing a police complaint like blah 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 like you're liable for this you've made the church liable for this how could you you heathen and I'm like getting raked over the coals and I'm like whoa this wasn't even like a church event like had nothing to do with the church and um you know the parents were fine like I explained everything to them and um, I talked to all the parents again after he talked to me and like everything was fine. He was being like very dramatic. Um, apparently the mother that had verbally assaulted one of my other girls was like cognitively unstable. And so um, it had been an ongoing dispute between the two families and they had filed a complaint. So that way it was on record that like this altercation had happened. Um, but they weren't like doing anything against the church or anything like that um, or against me or whatever. And so... I'm like, okay, like I'm handling this. Well, I get called into a meeting that basically sits me down and tells me that I'm like a homewrecker and I'm giving the church a bad name and um, what did I think I was doing and I'm having un, um, like authorized events and I'm putting people's lives at risk and I'm not a good representation of the gospel and I'm being inappropriate and mismanaged and like all these things and 
that I'm no longer allowed to lead my girls. Um, and like, I wasn't allowed to tell them that, like I wasn't allowed to communicate with them. I wasn't allowed to see them ever again. Like I just wasn't allowed. And what I've neglected to fill in a gap for earlier is that one of the other girls that had been on staff with me when I was on staff had, um, like taken a personal disliking to me. Um, and there was a week that I was sick and so I didn't come to church and she had told my girls that I like didn't care about them anymore. And so I chose not to lead their group, um, anymore that they had been like too much for me and which is just like ridiculous. So I get like all of these phone calls from my girls sobbing. And so like, I already know that I can't trust like half the team, which was a big part of, you know, my choosing to not be on staff anymore and just be a leader. And so when all this goes down and I get called into this meeting, that's basically just like raking me over the coals. Like I'm basically the scapegoat for all their problems. Um, I, I'm like, this is about to get like 18 kinds of nasty. So, um, the girls go to church the next weekend and are told all of these things about me. Like they're sat down, this guy who I thought was my friend and my mentor sits all my girls down, gives them his business card, lets them know that if them or their parents have any questions to call him and be happy to meet with them about the fact that I wasn't who I said I was, that I was a liar, that I was, um, like doing a bunch of things that didn't align with the gospel and like all of this stuff. I mean, I remember my girls calling and telling me this and parents calling and telling me this. And I was like, what? Like, I've never had such horrible things said about me, (laughs) um, without warrant, um, by somebody that I really, really trusted and cared about. And so that happens. I get kicked off of the like worship team. Um, thanks to said girl, um, on staff that I didn't trust who was like basically running worship team at the time and um, more or less get kind of like kicked out of every um, every every facet of volunteering that I was doing at this church um, and I'm asked not to come back to student ministry um, like even to be in the room really um, to be in the hallway where the rooms are like I'm not supposed to see my girls I'm not supposed to talk to them whatever and um this is like around Christmas time and so like I spend you know like a good solid hours like sitting on the floor of my shower crying like it's very dramatic um I just feel so so hurt because this is the church that you know like two years ago almost like baptized me like where I did mission trips and where I fell in love with the gospel and like where I found refuge from a hurting relationship and all these things and now they're just like throwing me away um and at the time I got some bad advice to like grovel my way back into the student ministry to do whatever I needed to do to um, get back in their good graces to be able to see my girls again and so months later um, I did um, because I was desperate and lonely and I didn't have another church to go to Um, Ryan was still going to the church and was still leading his group of guys and so it's kind of like I didn't really have anywhere else I could go Um, you know, my family wasn't really involved in a church and I couldn't go back to the one that I grew up in, um, that like wasn't the space that I was in anymore. And, you know, that's where my fiance was going and all of like our friends were and stuff. And so I was like, fine, like I'll just suck it up and apologize for things I'm not sorry for and things that people think that I did, but I didn't. And like, I'll go back. And so, um, I do that thing and, um, like, I'm more or less allowed to go back to my group. And at this point, you know, over half of my girls have quit coming to church. Um, They don't trust the church anymore. They don't trust the the man that was in charge of me and who told them all these things about me. And their parents no longer trust me, even if the girls did. And so they weren't allowed back to my group. And so most of them quit coming. Um, And even less still, um, I think maybe out of the 24 girls that I had at the time that I went back I had maybe nine of them um and now looking at all of them you know five years later two of them go to church two out of 24 um and anyway I go back and I try to lead this group and um three or four weeks later I get called back into this guy's office with Ryan and he's like what are you guys' intentions and we were like to lead our groups and see them through graduation and he was like well 
and to like give you the backstory, you know, things had still been tense and distrusting and all these things. Like I was walking on eggshells and whatever. And Ryan and I had been to a couple of the students' graduation parties um, the weekend prior. And so anyway, we get called into these meetings. And at these graduation parties, it should be noted, like the parents serve alcohol, okay, um, like to the other adults that are there. Um and like Ryan was of age. Um, I was, how old was I? I was probably, why? Well, mm, yeah, I was of age. Um, not that I drink, but just for relevance of the story. So we had called into his office and he's like, what's your intentions? We say we want to stay forever, basically. Like we love our students. And he says, well, I think that you need to take a break and really assess like where God has you. And we were like, what are you talking about? Like, this is where we want to be. Like, this is what we want to do. And he was like, I think that you really need to think about it. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm getting kicked out again. What did I do? And he was like, you know, it was reported to us that you were drinking at students' graduation parties. And this man that had known me for so long that like had taught me how to shoot a gun and that I'd literally stayed at his family's house and watched his kids and pet sit for his dog and all this stuff, knew full and well that I didn't drink um, and why I didn't drink. And... um was still accusing me of all these things. Um, and I was like, well, that's just like blatantly incorrect and offensive. Um, and he was like, I think that you need to take the summer off and, um, really determine like where God has you. And, um, it wasn't just me this time. Ryan was getting the boot as well. And I was like, I don't need to take the summer. Like if this is the way that it is, like, I'm just done. Like I'm done here. Um, and so, we end up (laughs) exiting the student ministry, I guess, for lack of a better term, me, because I was like, I'm not putting up with this. Like I apparently can't do anything right by you. So like I'm done. Um, but really like we never got asked to come back. Like we never got the opportunity to come back. It was just that we were expected to leave and not come back. Um, and all of the other volunteers and everything, like all of our friends, all of our mentors that we'd had, we got like exiled. Like we weren't talked to. I wasn't allowed to serve in student ministry, to be near student ministry, to come near the worship ministry, to serve on worship ministry. I really didn't feel welcome in the building because nobody was talking to us anymore. Um, and even some of our other friends that like volunteered and stuff, like they kind of like came after them as well and at this point like there was kind of a mass exodus of like adult leaders leaving the church um so anyway it takes Ryan and I like months we end up having to like switch churches and we've even switched churches again since then and all this stuff but um like in the middle of all this I'm trying to like figure out like what just happened um and I guess this guy, like, in the middle of all this, um, had found out that his wife was cheating on him, um, and they were going through, like, a gnarly divorce, and I was, like, poking a bear I didn't know was a bear with my disruption of his easygoing ministry at work, um, and I'm assuming got the brunt of that, like, frustration, um, and likewise, the guy that had hired me, um, And the guy above him that had, like, signed off on my being hired, the hierarchy of all the people that they'd hired and who those people had hired underneath them, it was kind of like a pride thing. Like, if one of them malfunctioned or didn't work out, it was, like, a hit against them. Um, And so I had unknowingly, like, jostled a hierarchy and, like, poked holes in their perfect little balloon of, like, all these people that they had hired, which... Some of them were not great hires. Um, Maybe me, too. I don't know. Like, I mean, I thought I was great, but who doesn't think that they're great? Um, I wasn't great for that role or that position. I just really like Jesus and really like my kids. But but anyway, I had more or less, like, kind of, like, caused an issue in the hiring, like, you know, structuring um and caused a bunch of people to be brought into question and their intentions to be brought into question all this stuff so I end up getting like publicly shamed and all this stuff because other people are scared that people are gonna like more or less figure out that they're not as great as they say that they are that something's going on in their home life whatever because 
you know, this guy who's going through a divorce, you can't be a divorce pastor in the Christian church most of the time. And so he, you know, ended up being asked to like kind of step down and leave and all this stuff. Um, so it was just like a chaotic mess. Um, and I think that honestly, I was less hurt by like the church being more of a business and more of like a saving face sort of thing than I was like by his personal, um, I'm not going to be able to come up with a word, um, um, like his, like him breaking that trust with me and like all of that, like that was harder for me than the church really, um, but in all of this, like Ryan was really hurt by the church and it's taken him years to be able to like understand just how hurt that he was and my girls were hurt by the church and a lot of them walked away from the gospel because that had been the first like impression that they had of the gospel um or the first time that they'd felt safe or understood by it and then they got it ripped away from them and I'm not saying that like this guy or um you know destroying that really is like the reason that they're never gonna know the Lord because that's not true and I'm not saying that like I was amazing enough that like they were gonna come to the you know Christ because of me and how great I am or anything like it just was like you know us all trying to be messengers for the gospel and we got it wrong um and now these girls don't know what the gospel truly is um because it was tainted for them um and and I don't know I don't know that they ever will um then I don't know what that looks like and that's something that's so hard for my heart to reconcile um but it like it was just heart-wrenching to watch all that fall apart um after years and years and years of attending there like Ryan had been at that church for like 12 or 13 years like his mom worked at that church like that's where he went like that's like he had interned there and then he had had his guys for so long like five years and it's where he'd met me and the pastor that married us was from there. And like the people that baptized me were from there and I was baptized there and the mission trips and just all these things. Like there was so much history there. Um, and I tend to not really doubt or question God, but I really question humanity. Um, and I think that it left me questioning and distrusting people more than I really realized. And it left Ryan questioning I think God and like where he was calling him and leading him and it was just hard um and it's been hard to not be angry um but even in the middle of all that like I knew that like God was better than what was being translated to us and these actions and these motives and like all this stuff um because this you know guy going through a divorce and like his whole life erupting basically like that's hard and it's not okay to take it out on other people but it's worth it to take into account that you know he was suffering and people that are hurt they hurt other people um and they take the shiny parts of the gospel because they can't bear to face their part in the you know outplaying of the dark parts and the fact that we're all guilty of pieces of that and um it's easier to point a finger at somebody else than realize that you were wrong um which I mean likewise I probably I did a lot of things wrong you know um I'm hot-headed and I'm very direct and I don't back down and I was even younger than I am now and in some ways wiser um but more reckless and I could have been significantly more graceful about things but I wasn't and I mean, it just, it was just the perfect, you know, storm of chaos and whatever. But, um, I think that Satan really tries to step into those moments and say that like, this is God doing these things to you. Um, you know, these people that are representing the Lord, like are hurting you. And so like, that's God hurting you. Like God is doing this to you. Like God doesn't want you here. Like, And he puts words in our minds and in our mouths um, that aren't true. And um, I just, like, I want you guys to hear that, like, humanity kicked me out of a church. Like, this was a church that had told sex offenders and, like, criminals that they weren't allowed to come because they weren't welcome because it made other people feel unsafe. And being a victim of sexual assault, I think that I have every right to say that I would rather someone who used to be an offender of that 
come to church and know the gospel and know that like that's a place that they can be saved i mean like maybe like yes maybe we should be aware of it i don't know um you know but i don't really know what the logistics of that look like but i don't think that it's my right to tell them that they can't be at church like i never would have told i almost said his name again the guy that had hurt me that he couldn't be at church like that's where i wanted him to be like i wanted him to get better i wanted him to be better and so you know it wasn't it wasn't God saying that those people weren't welcome there. Like God welcomes anybody. Like if you are gay or divorced or a criminal or um, angry or depressed or suicidal or whatever you are, like you are welcome with God. Like you are wanted there. Like I had a girl in my group who now is in a relationship with a girl and hasn't been in church because she was like, I just don't think that I'd be accepted there. Why on the Lord's earth? would you not be accepted in that church? Like, no, like the gospel doesn't support like sin, but like we love you more than we don't like sin. And like all of us are sinners. Like I speed every time I'm in my car. Like I've been known to tell a lie. I've gotten in fights. I've trespassed, like you name it, whatever. And so like, why is it that I would have any right to tell you that you're less welcome in that place than I am? Like we're all all our own kinds of broken. Like that's not fair. And so just what I want you guys to hear is that like the Lord didn't kick me out of this church. The Lord didn't take my girls away. Like the Lord didn't do any of those things. Like humanity did that. Humanity did that out of selfishness and recklessness and fear um, and anger. And I played a hand in it and so did they. And my girls paid the price for that. But that doesn't mean that God can't bring them back and God can't redeem that and that God can't redeem that church and those people and he can't redeem me. And like, it doesn't mean that I have to walk away from the gospel. Like, did I walk away from a church building for like a little over a year? Absolutely. But I didn't walk, like the Bible doesn't only exist in a church. Like worship music don't, doesn't only exist in service. Like fellowship doesn't only exist in a small group sanctioned by a church. Like whatever you have to do to go find Jesus, like go do that thing. And if he's not your cup of tea and if the church has hurt you so badly that you don't think that you can come back from it, I just want you to try to think about what it is that hurt you and what transpired. And A, the part that maybe you played in it or not, I'm not saying that you did, but like think about like the way that it was conveyed to you and who it was being conveyed by and think about the fact that they're just as human as you that they are just as emotionally volatile and that they are just as confused and broken and lost and they've lived through things and all of the experiences they've lived through shape who they are and how they handle things and likewise shape how you respond to things and just remember that like the same way that like our political system is broken and people are puppets and they blindly believe things that they shouldn't like a lot of the time the church is like that people have just been saying the same thing for so long that they don't know that they can say something different or that they can believe something different or that they can challenge it and i'm not saying challenge god but i'm saying challenge the way that we perceive or choose to pretend to believe that the gospel is telling us to be or to live like I will always choose to love first um to put other people before myself because that's how I was raised um that serving others and loving others well and knowing others um and praying for other people is more important than anything else that that's the great commission And maybe that's not what you've been taught, but that's what I know to be true. And so it's like, I'm not going to beat the Bible into somebody if they're not ready to hear it. I'm just going to love you. Um, I'm just going to love you and I'm going to let you know that I'm praying for you, even if that's not something that you believe in. But like, I just want you to know that I'm here. Um, And I think that, yeah, just the devil gets tricky. He gets tricky and he gets sneaky um, and he lies and he tries to make us believe that like humanity is not the the reason that we're hurting it's actually the gospel and it's just that's just not true um and so I don't know if this is like even super helpful I don't even know if this is what I wanted from this episode but like I have I have never known just such like sadness over what transpired at that church and with those people and like I still don't talk to this this man like this like figure of mine that was such a big 
part of my life. Like he and I aren't friends anymore. Like he's not my mentor. He's not my friend. He's not my family anymore. Like I don't see him. I don't see his kids. Like I don't know who he is anymore. I don't know how he's doing, but I have to hope that he's happy. Um, and I have to believe that like the version of him that I received in the midst of like that job ending and like my girls and what he said to them about me, I have to believe that he didn't, that he didn't, mean to be as cruel and um careless as he was and then that's not who he is it's just the actions that he took at the time and I think that that's what all of us need to do when we've been hurt by somebody or the church or whatever is that we need to look at the fact that you know good people do bad things um good people hurt people um good people can be reckless and they can be careless. Um, but that doesn't make them really less of a good person. It just means that they're hurting. It just means that they're going through something and, and it doesn't excuse the behavior. That's not what I'm saying. But, um, I think that there needs to be some empathy and some like insight into why we end up hurt by the church or the people that represent the church. Like I know somebody that said that, you know, they went to confession to like, explain this horrible thing that had happened to them and try to be forgiven for it and they more or less got blamed for it um by like the person that is supposed to be like receiving their confession which is like my qualm with catholicism and like all those religions that do confession anyway because like you're admitting your sin to somebody else that's sinful and asking them to forgive you even though they can't really and like that doesn't make sense to me whatever that's like a song for a different day but ultimately that though is what I think church hurt boils down to is we are asking for safe harbor and we're asking for like peace and love and understanding from human broken people that are representing something bigger than us and we're thinking that the body of Christ like that the church which isn't a building it's a people we're thinking that a church is the same thing as like as God is like we're thinking that the like good feelings and like the, the groups and the feelings of importance and of value and stuff that we're getting from those people are as important as what we would be getting from God or that it's the same or that like one meets the other somewhere in the middle and it's not like the peace and the assurance and the acceptance and the love that we get from God is vastly bigger and deeper and wider than what we get from humanity we're just poor stewards of it um so if you've been hurt by the church or by somebody in the church and that means that you haven't gone back to the church, A, it's okay to switch churches. You can switch churches and it doesn't make you love the Lord any less. You can go to multiple churches. If you love the worship at one and you love the message at another, like figure it out. Like you can be in a small group at one and go to the other, whatever. Like you can switch churches. You can go back to church. It is never a bad time to do that. Um, and if being in a church makes you uncomfortable, I mean, now you can watch church online just about anywhere, like elevation worship and church. Like I'm here for you all day, every day. Like I wish I was in North Carolina. I would be in that like auditorium freaking every moment of my life, like just pour that into me. Um, but like I watch that online, but that's not the church that I quote unquote go to, which is fine. And the church that I go to now isn't, you know, the church that I went to a year ago and the church I went to a year ago is in the same church I went to three years ago and the church I went to three years ago isn't the same church I grew up in or the same church that I was baptized as a baby in and like that's okay like who you are and what you need changes um but God doesn't change and so wherever you need to be to pursue him and to seek him honestly and where you feel challenged and you feel convicted and you feel like you feel cold like be in that place and if that's like your living room with your Bible open and worship music on the radio, like that's cool. If that's in a coffee shop with somebody that's just going through scripture with you or just praying with you, that's cool. Um, don't walk away from gospel, like gospel centered salvation and God and like his promises and his goodness just because humanity really sucks at delivering them and upholding our end of the bargain. Um, like there's just more than that for you. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't do a great job at it and I'm like a hot fiery mess. Like literally just got called a train wreck this morning, but, um, 
I really love Jesus and I'm just doing the best I can. And I preface that anytime I'm with somebody or I pray for someone like, hey, I could be interpreting this wrong or I could be saying this wrong, but like this is what's on my heart and this is the best that I have. And I think that that's all that we can do is our best, um, whatever that looks like in the moment. So I'm sorry on behalf of everybody. I'm sorry if the church has hurt you, if the church has, I don't know, done whatever, but God is better and God is good. Um, And I hope that you find your way back to that. Um, I'm praying for you guys. Um, I love you guys. Thanks for sticking around. I didn't mean for this to be another hour, but I get going about Jesus and here we are. So stick around next week. We're going to talk about the parable of the weeds, which I think has a lot to do with kind of how hurt people end up in the church and how we end up hurting people through the church. I think it'll all tie together really well. So I'll try to record that one earlier and not be late. And until then, Good luck, you guys. It's rough out there. Stay tuned for episodes airing every Monday so you have someone to have a conversation with all week long. We'll see you here next time.